Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are some form of my journals out loud. And we're going to start with a deep breath. It is a Friday. It is January 19th, 2024. How did that happen? In through the nose. Make sure you go deep into the lungs. Push all that old air out. And we're going to settle down just for a moment because... Uh, what I had intended to speak to for like 30 seconds because I heard something and I'm like, you know, that explains everything. As I have been working with that thought the last uh, you know, 24 hours, of course, 80 million things have come in to the picture. So we will be longer than 30 seconds because we're already past the 30 second mark. But if you're new... This is me trying to work with us in terms of navigating our future through our nervous system because fear seems to be the number one thing that drives most of our decision making. And two, all my good stuff is in my journals. And so I'm trying to find a way to get that out into the world and just off the printed page in my little tiny experience here someday, maybe. But with that said... You know, I've spent a lot of time talking about what it means to be wired for danger. And the other day I wrote some stuff out and I thought, you know, this is the best stuff I've ever written and I have no idea what to do with it. So I've been holding that, looking at it, feeling lost in space yet again, uh, going on a personal diatribe in my journaling, which is what I do. I ask questions and I process through the experience, trying to find what the core message is. And so much over my lifetime isn't just what is the truth. That has been the one driving question. And, you know, it stopped being the truth out there and it stopped started being the truth within. Uh, but the second half of that is what good is it if none of us change? Why are we so resistant to moving beyond information and understanding into a different way of being, taking different actions? And, you know, I've gone through the motivation, I've gone through brain chemistry, I've gone through trauma, I've gone through mental health. I mean, I've gone through all these millions of different avenues uh, but at the core, you know, the big question was always, you know, why don't we change? Why are we so resistant to moving off this path that we feel kind of born into, even when it doesn't make sense? You know, it's like an addict. Why are you still using when you see all the destruction in your life? And, you know, there's a term, if you haven't had the pleasure of uh, any touching any aspect of the addiction in life is once the other hits, the addict hits bottom, that's the moment they either change or they basically will die. Because if there's no place to stop and put your feet and push up from, you're in a forever free fall and you can't recover from that. But sometimes some people have an experience that is so unwanted, you know, I'm dividing things into want and don't want. It's enough to create that change. And, you know, that has made a lot of sense to me is when we experience enough of what we don't want, 
then sometimes, not always, sometimes we change. And sometimes we think we know what we want and we don't want, and we can't change things. You know, I'm moving into that period of my life where just because I think I want something, you know, I haven't been able to magically uh, get energy enough to do it. And how do you make peace with that? How do you know what you want and you can't make it happen? And we're not going to talk about that today because today I wanted to just share with you this one sentence. I was actually doing my journaling yesterday and I had some things playing in the background. I don't even know who it was. I think it was Rebel News and it was a man from the Davos uh, World Economic Forum. It was audio, so I didn't have any video and I don't know who it was. I don't know what day it was. I can't go back and find it because I don't even know the names of the people involved, the reporter or the guy. But it was a man, I think it was Avi something, chasing down some guy at Davos. And I don't even know what question he asked him, but the the guy, the Davos guy, for those of you who aren't familiar with Davos, that's where uh, the world quote-unquote leaders gather to plot out, you know, total control of us who are the great unwashed masses and useless leaders, I think, as we are referred to. Uh, them thinking that they have uh, more wisdom and more power and what they want to manage those of us who don't know enough to what to know what we want, which is their perception. I'm not saying that's real. That's their perception. So anyways, he's chasing him down. He asks him something. And the guy says, we invest in value, not values, plural. So let's just take a moment and not just blow over that statement because that statement says everything. It says everything about who we are. It says everything about why we don't change. It says everything about why what's happening, not to just us, the great unwashed masses, but to everyone and the whole reason that the world has evolved in this cycle, you know, if you get into the uh, catastrophe cycle or, you know, hidden history, things like that, you know, there's, there's much evidence for like a fifth, this is our fifth or sixth extinction event, or humans have actually been here for millions and millions of years. There's more we don't know about our earth and our history than we do. The one thing we do know is that at some point, everything collapses and we start over. And in this cycle, whether it's 6,000 years or 12,000 years or whatever, 26,000 years, you know, wherever you want to put your finger, hundreds of thousands of years, uh, right at this moment, we are at this point uh, where we're peaking. You know, we are moving into another cycle ending in time. And so things tend to accelerate and get more intense. And uh, and clearer as things kind of come to a head. I think there's an internal energy of panic. You know, you get to a certain age, you're like, oh God, if I don't do it now, it's never getting done. Uh, so that happens, you know, at the big picture level too. And I think that's why we're seeing this massive speed up of world events as quote unquote time is running out. But what happens when things get big and intense and chaotic is you get a real clear window into basic ideas that got you there. 
and you get into real clear windows about why it's not going to just magically change. And so uh, whatever I was processing, you know, in my own tiny little mind, I heard him say that. And so we're going to just say that a couple more times. I invest, or we, he, his whatever investment bank or whatever, we invest in value, not values. And it was said, you know, with the usual air of superiority because he's at the big boy club. He's at the rich boy club. He's at the powerful level. He's at the great and honorable level in their minds of presiding over the rest of us who are the great unwashed masses. Now, I don't think of myself as an unwashed mass, but I can see from the outside looking in, we are the great unwashed masses. We're just little bees flitting around. We are ants, which I did post. I should have said this at the beginning. I or I'm going to post, hopefully, from my cell phone. I am being besieged. Uh, the bees have decided I'm the only water source. I can't even feed or water the dogs without attacking, uh, getting attacked by all these bees. Luckily, they're not biting us. But that water bowl that you're seeing, that's been empty for like 20 minutes, and they are still clustered, desperate to get water. Now, luckily, it's going to rain in a few days, so hopefully that will ease their suffering because their value for them is survival and not just their individual survival. You know, bees work collectively to save the queen. And, you know, when you look at a Davos person or a global person, that's how they see us. We are supposed to collectively and happily work to serve the queen king bee. You know, a bee is a colony. The colony exists to serve the organizing master. And the reason that's true for them is because their value is what's important to them, not us. We are not the great unmasked, unwashed masses. We are not of value except as we produce for the other. Now, when I say that's the most important sentence ever, right? We invest long-term in value, not values, and value, power, money, control, status, uh, is determined by what your values are. And I know this isn't rocket science, but I'm reiterating it because, you know, we're looking around going, why is this happening to us and how can we change it? And this is why we can't change it, because we set up what is val- of value, money, power, status, By our values and what we value as values, whether it's honor and integrity or health or family or power or control, that's what determines what is of value. And, you know, I've been calling it want and don't want. You know, we invest in what we want to avoid what we don't want. But 
this it means the same thing what is a value and what is what are your values and as i was sitting here you know trying to think about how i want to talk about this it occurred to me duh this is how why we don't change 10 years ago i wrote a whole book about this it's called the survival solution workbook it was a terrible name but basically it's about 250 questions that i put together and a process of moving you forward to help each of us understand what our core values are, because that is how we make decisions. That is why we create the world that we have, that we personally live in and collectively experience. That is how we make things happen. And most of us are wildly unconscious about what our real values are. And we do that because, you know, nobody's listening to this kind of stuff. This isn't the kind of stuff that's fun or exciting because, you know, the most evil word in the whole universe is responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility because then we have to look in the mirror and the mirror can show us something we don't want to see. And so we allow others who have no real power to impose our values on us and then we are innocent and we can blame them and so when you have a bunch of sad old spindly people telling you how it is when they're when they have no individual power to tell us the unwashed masses to do anything you know we outnumber them uh, but we still allow them to hold power because We'll tell ourselves our value system is, you know, our faith, our families, blah, blah, blah. But that isn't what you see when you look around. That isn't how we live. And, you know, the one thing that popped into my mind that was most powerful is look at who we look to to tell us, well, that must be the truth. And we look to people who are rich and famous and we perceive, perceive as powerful. So we have, you know, a Joe Rogan or an Elon Musk or an Oprah Winfrey because they have established money, status, power. We think, well, they must know the truth. They must be the right in their perceptions of the world. And, you know, and I listen to them and I think, God, you know, they're 10, 20 years behind everybody. They're on this bell curve. They're not on the forward end. You can only be powerful and successful at a certain point on the bell curve. If you're too far out in the future or you're too far out in the past with an idea, nobody wants to hear it or nobody's, everybody's moved past you. It doesn't have anything to do with how brilliant you are. It is... Look at who we give our authority and power to, to tell us what is valuable and what values do they hold. And you just have to look at the personal life and the words of these people that we hold up as powerful and therefore they must be successful. And so we value them and their opinion way more, you know, than somebody who's living on the street, <clears throat> right? Somebody who's just going to their job every single day. Somebody who's working hard and never, quote unquote, gets ahead. 
And in America, I don't can't speak to I don't think Europe has this to the degree we do. But in America, we value productivity. Push, push, push. Uh, I was listening to some guy uh, talk about uh, you know, the digital bank currency and his thing was, well, you know, and he was pointing to all the welfare for women and children and social security, old people, vulnerable people, innocent people, people who are having babies. We put no value on the work of raising a child. We just punish them for being out of the workforce. We punish them because they wanted to say no. We, we have the value that productivity, doing, doing more, more, equals what is valuable. And so when you're no longer productive, you're expendable. Well, I don't want to invest in old people. I don't care about children. You know, people used to have kids, the pioneers, they had lots and lots of kids because that's who worked the land. The value of the children was to work because, you know, half the kids would die and you didn't have to pay wages. You had slave labor, basically. These are the things we don't want to look into the mirror and acknowledge because it's the value system that defines what we consider of value. Gold, guns, bullets, you know, food is valuable, but we don't value the nutrition of food because we have wildly polluted food sources. So I could go on forever about this. The point being, deep breath, is that says everything. You know, you just look at how you, like I would have this conversation, you know, a few minutes before I came on with you guys is, you know, I sp- spent yesterday kind of resorting things out because, you know, when it rains, I bring a lot of things in. Uh, and now it's getting ready to rain again, and I had a lot of clutter in here, so I took everything out, and, uh, you know, I'm reorganizing it, and I was thinking this morning, like, how much of my life have I lost effing with my stuff? An obscene amount of time. I mean, obscene amount of time. I don't know how it is for other people. Part of that is because my brain is broken when it comes to this, but my value, I tell myself, is space and simplicity, My reality is a bunch of crap put into a space it doesn't fit and endless chaos and frustration because I have projects and I have plans and I have uh, a way of being in the world. Like I cook my food. I don't buy processed food. And I, uh, you know, bring shoes that are big because they're safer and I bring dog toys and you know there's this great clash of what I say is important to me and what I do and how I live and you know I've been fighting this stuff within myself forever I don't have an answer for it because it's not about being perfect but it's the experience of all of this that you know step back re-evaluate. Uh, and, you know, I had an interesting conversation with my mom who, you know, we've had this terrible back and forth, you know, our whole life. You get two real strong-willed, opinionated people. But but she, uh, you know, her value is very invested in what other people think. I have no investment in valuing 
what other people think. And when I left on this trailer track, when I left, remember it was trailer trash and, uh, she was horrified. I was living in a trailer and it was funny cause she would say it, you know, in front of other people and they'd be like, Oh, that's really cool. And she'd be shocked. You know, she didn't think I could tell, but she'd be shocked that they weren't horrified. I was living in a trailer cause she has the value system of what other people think. And that comes from her feeling poor as a child. You know, as we all, none of this is right or wrong. It's just our experiences within the world. And, uh, and I never intended to be still here. I only left, you know, to do it for like a year. So, but now, you know, I'm living in my car. And so that's homeless. That is considered very, uh, you know, when I was in my trailer, I still, in my mind, had a house. Now I'm homeless and I'm struggling with my own perceptions around that too. Uh, but my values were to see how simple I can go. And I really like being in just one thing until it stops working, you know, just putting it all in one, you know, dragging a trailer has its pros and its cons. You know, the, the con is that you're not, you have two separate units. I really like being able to pack up the truck and just go. And I realize, really like the truck not looking like I live in it. And I like that a lot. But anyways, we were talking and she said, well, you know, it was for her, it switched in her mind when I had made the statement that even if I had a million dollars, I don't know how I would live. There is no, I haven't been able to find a way to be out in the world that works for me. And I've tried every version. And so that, you know, is its own separate problem. But her perception was what I see, she said, is you living your values of time and space and freedom and openness. Uh, and she's right, because I value being on my own schedule. I hate Monday through Friday. I mean, it kills me to work Monday through Friday. Uh, and it is what I value is, you know, my time, number one. And, you know, for me, it's been a journey of time, money, and energy. If I just had enough money, could I get everything sorted out? And the answer is no. If I had enough time, could I get my life sorted out? And the energy is no. The answer is no. Now, I'm like, if I had enough energy, could I get everything sorted out? And so, you know, in my wishful thinking world, you know, if I invest in having more energy, can I get more done? And, you know, the fantasy is yes, the reality is no. We have time, money, and energy. And I define energy as thought, feeling, and action. These are the things that we have to invest. Time, money, energy, thought, feeling, action. That's our resource. That's what we get to invest in what we perceive as value and what is our values. So when we value freedom, we decide, well, what kind of values, what kind of stuff, what kind of life, what kind of actions, what kind of thoughts, what kind of feelings do we have to bring together to give me what I call freedom or status? I care what people think. You know, I want to be on the top of the hierarchical uh, status 
grid because that gives me power and that makes me feel more in control. What do I need to do? I need to have a good job. I need to make money. I need to look nice. Uh, and, I, and you know, 99% of the people, 99% of the time are not having any of this conversation in their head consciously. But when we look around and we say, why is this happening to us? Why are people streaming over the borders? Why, you know, I watched uh, a video by Muckrakers. If you can, if you get a chance to watch it, I'll try and put it below. I don't know if I'll be able to link it up or not, but it's these two brothers, you know, they're, they were like, I want to do something. And they're, you know, young 20 year olds, they go down and they film crossing uh, the migrant trail. So they start somewhere in South America, they go through the Darien Gap, they travel through Mexico, uh, they get up to the border, they get kidnapped by the cartel, and, you know, luckily they live to tell about it. And, uh, you know, describing and showing tiny bits of the horrors along the way. But the whole time they're going, they're asking, you know, do you like Trump or Vi Biden? And they love Biden because, the belief system is Biden values them as human beings. And then you look at what they're having to go through. Not that it isn't being wildly facilitated. And then they get here and they get all this money. And we look around who are living here, you know, having most of us worked hard our whole life. Huh. Obviously, we are not valuable because our value system has been productivity, not because we value human life, but because we value a way of life, the American dream, the stuff, the consumering, the uh, ability to get what we want, when we want, how we want, the convenience. We don't want to tell ourselves that, but you know, you look at a, a Nike, you know, having people line up to buy stupid sneakers or a release of the next iPhone. We don't value people because we're buying objects made by slavery. I mean, if you saw some of the conditions, you know, people are enduring to produce what we consume, you would not be able to look yourself in the eye. And then even knowing that, I'm um, looking you know, I'm looking at my phone, you know, it's not a big fancy phone, but I'm looking at a phone that allows me to have what I tell myself is the value of freedom. I can live out in the middle of nowhere because I have technology, hopefully not produced by slave laborers, that allows me to disconnect from the system that I tell myself I don't value. So, there is no answer to this in terms of making it so that everybody lines up and gets everything they want and nobody gets hurt because we don't live that way. We live in a world of massive conflict with what we value and what our values are. What we are not doing is taking a step back and being honest with ourselves uh, you know, one of the reasons I love listening to these survival stories, and I just listened to another one, which the irony was, it was a guy, he was 50, he was South African, he was going on a surf vacation. All these red warning flags about don't go, but he goes anyways, he falls overboard. He knows he's 50 miles from shore somewhere, 
but it's in a storm. But he survives over 24 hours in the water and swims to safety. The, and the horror show of it all, it's like three different times he saw boats, but boats didn't see him. And the fourth one did. And his, you know, I just can't even imagine. But he manages to keep going. At the same time, there's a new movie out called Nyad, which is about Diana Nyad, who is a, a swimmer. And she set the record at 65, you go girl, of Cuba to Key West. And it was her fifth try. It was uh, almost 60 hours in the water and 110 miles. And it, it is, uh, you know, it's one of those, you go and you, it's overwhelming. You know, it's a heart thing. But part of her thing is she was, uh, you know, assaulted, sexually assaulted by her swim coach when she was a little girl. And it's like, is there no freaking story of a woman that does not involve some kind of abuse as a child? I mean, it's like, we don't value children, right? We don't value allowing them to hold on to their innocence. And because what we value as a politician, right, as children are getting trafficked, is they want the vote. And they want the vote because they want to stay in power at the cost of human life and human suffering. And then we get mad because all these people are coming in that are taking over what we tell ourselves we value is our home and safety within our home watching, you know, masses of people pour over our border, you know, that's, that is not fixable. That line has been crossed. There is no undoing what's been done. And we're just sitting around watching it. There is no way out of any of this, but I think that understanding it and being aware is the first step in the same way, you know, I'm having this moment, like, why do I keep recreating the same situation? I can't have it both ways. I can't have 50 projects I want to participate in and live in a small space and not have clutter and chaos. I can't cook all my food and carry, you know, and I don't I don't even have 5% of my kitchen stuff with me. And I and I left you know, 90% of my kitchen stuff when I moved into the trailer because I value cooking. I value being able to do my own food. Uh, and that's important to me, but it's not much of an alignment with, you know, the other thing I value, which is simplicity and being in a smaller space and mobile. So there is no simple answer to any of these things. But when he said that, this you know, I didn't see his picture, but I'm sure he's slick and he's rich and he's full of himself and he has donned, you know, the king of, of, you know, I am right because I'm at the top of the heap of this colonial system, which, you know, we're all part of the colony. Earth is the colony that he's right. And his value system is power, money, control, status. So he invests in what he calls value, which means things, resources, oil, diamonds, whatever, to, to give him what he values, money, power, status, control.
at the cost of anyone and everything. And we think, well, that's not fair. But all he's doing is showing us what we hold up because we invest in pornography. We invest in addiction. We invest in fast, easy, cheap food. We invest in throwaway clothes. We invest in uh, you know, education systems we're not paying attention to. We invest in defense. We invest in healthcare systems that kill us. We invest in all of these systems that we have convinced ourselves are supporting what we value, you know, faith, family, friends, whatever conversation you think you want to have. And it isn't true as we watch people pour across the border, as we watch our government sit around and talk and do nothing while they send billions and billions and billions of dollars overseas, getting us further in debt, you know, waiting for that bomb to explode. As we invest in technology that's spraying crap over us, I was listening to more chemtrail stuff. I mean, we keep telling ourselves that we are creating a world of value that supports our values with like no evidence of it. And then we go, well, why would they do that to us? Because we're innocent. Why would we do, why would we have all of this child uh, trafficking? And why would we have all these drugs? And why would we have all this addiction? Like what's happening? You know, we have no idea. And you know, it isn't something you or I can fix by any other means than having a conversation with ourselves looking in the mirror, you know, which is for me, the journaling is how honest can I be about what I'm really doing? And at the end of the day, because I have experimented and asked questions and tried a million different things, just because you ask those questions doesn't mean you get a perfect life. You know, I'm not ending this journey knowing everything about myself so that I can create this fabulously perfect life because the backdrop is the end of a cycle. The backdrop is collapse because for me, at the end of all of this, the one thing I value most is life itself and life itself is eternal. The best thing we can do is continue to grow our understanding and keep trying to make better choices that moves the football down the field. You know, keep handing the baton off to the next generation to continue the process. That is the long-term investment that I am trying to make. How can I seek to understand, to plant the seeds into the future that end this stupid colony system we've created where human life, animal life, nature life is not valued because for anything other than profit and productivity. Because it doesn't work for anybody who's not able to work. And again, no answer to this. I just, like I said, I intended to just do a quick line and then it occurred to me like, no, this is everything. This is everything. We invest in value, money, power, status, uh, control, not values, meaning life itself. We don't care about life. We care about control. And if we need to control life to have more control, we will.
even if it ends up killing us in the end. That's what cancer does. It just keeps taking over without any awareness that it's killing itself in the process because the value is more. And the reality is there's never enough to fill up the hole of more. And that's the game. What's of value and what is a value? What are values? And if you understand that, you understand everything about yourself, about what's happening around you, and about the whole issue of cycles and why we keep recreating these same wheels. Because unless we have wildly different value system, we will never create a different civilization. And you will never get everybody on the same page. Uh, You know, my favorite story right now is the one I shared with you about Genghis Khan. And he had the value of keeping women safe. He decried to his vast, gigantic empire that women would no longer be raped, they would no longer be sold, uh, and they would have the ability to, uh, the third one was, you know, they got to say when they would uh, have intimate relations with their husband, because remember, people didn't know each other, they just got married. He gave women some level of safety and sovereignty over their own body. And he had the most productive empire that's ever been. He still, you know, killed and pillaged, but he didn't rape. And while we don't 100% know what that was all about, we do know that it's possible if a warlord can have a radically different value system than anyone has or before him or after him, that women have no value and therefore they are just something to be used either for productivity, meaning, you know, an army, have babies, build an army, uh, you know, be the receptacle. And I'm not saying that there weren't loving relationships, but whatever stories you want to tell yourself about, uh, you know, women, the past has sucked, for us, at least, I mean, the last, you know, 6,012, however you want to look at it. Uh, women have had a terrible, uh, have not had sovereignty over their own bodies. So, I mean, if you got lucky, you did, but mostly not. Because we weren't of value by anything other than, you know, what the value system of the time was. And now, you know, we're in a free fall for children. I mean, you th- you think you know, it's bad enough getting married off at 13, right? But now it's babies. Like, how did that happen? Well, it happens because we don't value children in the way that we need to, to create healthy, functional adults. You know, there's a lot of talk about generational trauma. And the more I look into this, you know, we're still talking about it as healing wounds. We're not talking about the global culture of what the value system of our world is. And that's such a big conversation. You know, one person can't do anything about it. But, you know, if you're going to transfer one bowl of rice to another, it still happens one grain at a time. And so we can ask ourselves this very simple question of what is of value and what are 
our values. And that is why everything is happening the way it is. And it's also why you can't just pull a pin and stop it. It is a multi-thousand year process that's unfolding before our eyes. We're at the end. We're at the culmination. This is happening. And, you know, our best hope isn't to have a perfect life. Our best hope is really to look and to understand and hopefully, you know, progress forward in, in doing it differently, planting seeds, just being aware that this is what's happening is huge, but there is no stopping it. It's just panic. We're just having panic right now because uh, it's like being in a bad relationship. I had that with my house. You know, at some point I knew I had to let the house go when I was uh, losing, you know, the, I didn't have the money to pay for the my house payment anymore. And uh, I had to make a decision, you know, and I decided I'm just going to look at it like a bad relationship. At some point, you just have to cut your losses and deal with the outcome. You know, putting more money into a bad mortgage isn't, you know, because what was happening wasn't about me. It was about what was happening to all of us or many of us, not all of us, but many of us. And at some point I'm like, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've already spent everything. I spent all my savings. I spent all my 401k. I took everything I had to save the mortgage because my value system was, uh, I have good credit. I'm going to be a good steward of my credit. And I gave away everything. And all I was met with was, well, we're going to take your house too. Thank you very much. And the bank got paid because the bank was reimbursed by the, all the money I'd given them for 10 years, which was the cost of the house. And then the bank was given by the government, which is still our money, right? The, the balance of the loan. So they made all their money. I, of course, did not. And that was a huge wake-up call. What is a value? What are my values? And can I create a life that supports them? And I'm still banging around asking that question because, no, I haven't found a way to be in the world that matches what my value system is, what my values are, and what can I invest in as value? Where can I put my time, money, and energy into uh, you know, resources or whatever to create a life of value, uh, I haven't found it. I'm still in battle. And I don't think it's a personal failure. I think it's to learn and understand this experience. And I think we're at the end of a cycle where we're not supposed to have perfect lives. We're supposed to move through this massive collective catastrophe uh, as just a point in time, as just an experience, just as a consequence of our choices collectively. And it's wildly uncomfortable, but it's so easy to see at the end. It's an opportunity of massive amounts of learning and understanding. It's not a moment where we get everything we want. It's the end. It's not the beginning yet. And it's the most uncomfortable phase. And we still have worse in front of us. But 
at least, you know, when you can kind of step back and understand why it's happening, you know, sometimes that takes the edge off. It doesn't change the difficulty of the experience. And it certainly doesn't, I mean, the only choice you really have is to try to juggle it uh, and, you know, give up maybe what your values are in order to try to survive a little bit longer. But that spiritually doesn't work out in the end. So again, you know, I was so struck by his simplicity of that statement. We invest in value, not values, meaning money, power, status, control, not people, not compassion, not uh, hope, not anything that breathes or lives. We just care about status. We just care about control. We just care about power, not to use it for good, but to use it to get what we want. And that reduces down. What we want is to be important and special, and we don't care how that happens. And we need to ask ourselves that question. What do we want at our deepest level that we don't care about how that happens? And thus, we see the unfolding of the world. So I know this was a big, fat, heavy podcast, but man, this is so important. And I get, you know, most people don't like this kind of stuff, but this is the driver of the world and our experience in it. And it's as simple as the bees just looking for water in the same way we, most of us, are just trying to survive and we can't control when there is no water in the desert, except when it rains every once in a while. And the desperation we feel when we can't get something that's so core to our survival. But we do that because we put things in front of us that we think are important that maybe just aren't. So with that, I didn't mean to do that whole diatribe and my morning's almost done and we have a lot of work to do because more rain is coming, even though it's not too bad out here. So I hope that you guys have warmed up in all the different places in this country that were in some serious cold these last uh, two vortexes or whatever they were. Uh, we are so happy you're here. It's a whole miracle if you're still listening and uh, I know that was overwhelming, but man, that is everything and totally unfixable. All we can do really is understand in the best we can. Uh, and with that, my friends, deep breath, and I will see you next time.